Act One of the Tragedy of King Richard the Second by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act One, Scene One, London, King Richard's Palace. Enter King Richard, John of Gaunt, with other nobles and attendants. Old John of Gaunt, time-honoured Lancaster, hast thou, according to thy oath and band, brought hither Henry Hereford, thy bold son, here to make good the boisterous late appeal, which then our leisure would not let us hear, against the Duke of Norfolk, Thomas Mowbray? I have my liege. Tell me, moreover, hast thou sounded him, if he appeal the Duke on ancient malice? or worthily as a good subject should on some known ground of treachery in him as near as i could sift him on that argument on some apparent danger seen in him aimed at your highness no inveterate malice then call them to our presence face to face and frowning brow to brow ourselves will hear the accuser and the accused freely speak High-stomached are they both, and full of ire, In rage, deaf as the sea, hasty as fire. Enter Bolingbroke and Mowbray. Many years of happy days befall my gracious sovereign, My most loving liege. Each day still better others' happiness, Until the heavens envying earth's good hap Add an immortal title to your crown. We thank you both, yet one but flatters us as well appeareth by the cause you come namely to appeal each other of high treason cousin of hereford what dost thou object against the duke of norfolk thomas mowbray first heaven be the record to my speech in the devotion of a subject's love tendering the precious safety of my prince and free from other misbegotten hate come i appellant to this princely presence now thomas mowbray do i turn to thee and mark my greeting well for what i speak my body shall make good upon this earth or my divine soul answer it in heaven thou art a traitor and a miscreant too good to be so and too bad to live since the more fair and crystal is the sky the uglier seem the clouds that in it fly once more the more to aggravate the note with a foul traitor's name stuff I thy throat, and wish, so please my sovereign, ere I move, what my tongue speaks my right-drawn sword may prove. Let not my cold words here accuse my zeal. Tis not the trial of a woman's war, the bitter clamour of two eager tongues can arbitrate this cause betwixt us twain. The blood is hot that must be cooled for this. Yet can I not of such tame patience boast as to be hushed and not at all to say? Thirst, the fair reverence of your highness curbs me from giving reins and spurs to my free speech, which else would post until it had returned to these terms of treason doubled down his throat. Setting aside his high blood's royalty, and let him be no kinsman to my liege, I do defy him, and I spit at him. <laughs> 
call him a slanderous coward and a villain which to maintain i would allow him odds and meet him were i tied to run afoot even to the frozen ridges of the alps or any other ground inhabitable wherever englishman durst set his foot meantime let this defend my loyalty by all my hopes most falsely doth he lie pale trembling coward there i throw my gage disclaiming here the kindred of the king and lay aside my high blood's royalty which fear not reverence makes thee to accept if guilty dread have left thee so much strength as to take up mine honour's pawn then stoop by that and all the rights of knighthood else will i make good against thee arm to arm what i have spoke or thou canst worse devise i take it up and by that sword i swear which gently laid my knighthood on my shoulder i'll answer thee in any fair degree or chivalrous design of knightly trial and when i mount alive may i not light if i be traitor or unjustly fight what does our cousin lay to mowbray's charge it must be great that can inherit us so much as of a thought of ill in him look what i speak my life shall prove it true that mowbray hath received eight thousand nobles in name of lendings for your highness soldiers the which he hath attained for lewd employments like a false traitor and injurious villain besides i say and will in battle prove or here or elsewhere to the furthest verge that ever was surveyed by english eye that all the treasons for these eighteen years complotted and contrived in this land fetch from false mowbray their first head and spring further i say and further will maintain upon his bad life to make all this good that he did plot the duke of gloucester's death suggest his soon believing adversaries and consequently like a traitor coward slewest out his innocent soul through streams of blood which blood like sacrificing abel's cries even from the tongueless caverns of the earth to me for justice and rough chastisement and by the glorious worth of my descent this arm shall do it or this life be spent how high a pitch his resolution soars thomas of norfolk what says thou to this oh, let my sovereign turn away his face and bid his ears a little while be deaf till i have told this slander of his blood how god and good men hate so foul a liar mowbray impartial are our eyes and ears were he my brother nay my kingdom's heir as he is but my father's brother's son now by my sceptre's all i make a vow such neighbour nearness to our sacred blood should nothing privilege him nor partialize the unstooping firmness of my upright soul he is our subject mowbray so art thou free speech and fearless i to thee allow then bellingbroke as low as to thy heart through the false passage of thy throat thou liest three parts of that receipt i had for calais dispersed i duly to his highness soldiers the other part reserved i by consent for that my sovereign liege was in my debt upon remainder of a dear account since last i went to france to fetch his queen 
now swallow down that lie for gloucester's death i slew him not but to my own disgrace neglected my sworn duty in that case for you my noble lord of lancaster the honourable father to my foe once did i lay an ambush for your life a trespass that doth vex my grieved soul but ere i last received the sacrament i did confess it and exactly begged your grace's pardon and i hope i had it this is my fault as for the rest appealed it issues from the rancour of a villain a recreant and most degenerate traitor which in myself i boldly will defend and interchangeably hurl down my gage upon this overweening traitor's foot to prove myself a loyal gentleman even in the best blood chambered in his bosom in haste whereof most heartily i pray your highness to assign our trial day wrath kindled gentlemen be ruled by me let's purge this choler without letting blood this we prescribe though no physician deep malice makes too deep incision forget forgive conclude and be agreed our doctors say this is no month to bleed good uncle let this end where it begun we'll calm the duke of norfolk you your son to be a makepiece shall become my age throw down my son the duke of norfolk's gage and norfolk throw down his when harry when obedience bids i should not bid again norfolk throw down we bid there is no boot myself i throw dread sovereign at thy foot my life thou shalt command but not my shame the one my duty owes but my fair name despite of death that lives upon my grave to dark dishonour's use thou shalt not have i am disgraced impeached and baffled here pierced to the soul with slander's venomed spear the which no balm can cure but his heart-blood which breathed this poison rage must be withstood give me his gage lions make leopards tame yea but not change his spots take but my shame and i reside my gage my dear dear lord the purest treasure mortal times afford is spotless reputation that away men are but gilded loam or painted clay a jewel in a ten times barred-up chest is a bold spirit in a loyal breast mine honour is my life both grow in one take honour from me and my life is done then dear my liege mine honour let me try in that i live and for that will i die cousin throw up your gage do you begin o oh, god defend my soul from such deep sin shall i seem crestfallen in my father's sight or with pale beggar fear impeach my height before this outdared dastard ere my tongue shall wound my honour with such feeble wrong or sound so base a parl my teeth shall tear the slavish motive of recanting fear and spit it bleeding in his high disgrace where shame doth harbour even in mowbray's face exit gaunt we were not born to sue but to command which since we cannot do to make you friends be ready as your lives shall answer it at coventry upon st lambert's day 
there shall your swords and lances arbitrate the swelling difference of your settled hate since we cannot atone you we shall see justice design the victor's chivalry lord marshal command our officers at arms be ready to direct these home alarms exeunt scene two the duke of lancaster's palace enter john of gaunt with the duchess of gloucester alas the part that i had in woodstock's blood doth more solicit me than your exclaims to stir against the butchers of his life but since correction lieth in those hands which made the fault that we cannot correct put we our quarrel to the will of heaven who when they see the hours ripe on earth will rain hot vengeance on offenders heads finds brotherhood in thee no sharper spur hath love in thy old blood no living fire edward's seven sons whereof thyself art one were as seven vials of his sacred blood or seven fair branches springing from one root some of those seven are dried by nature's course some of those branches by the destinies cut but thomas my dear lord my life my gloucester one vial full of edward's sacred blood one flourishing branch of his most royal root is cracked and all the precious liquor spilt is hacked down and his summer leaves all faded by envy's hand and murder's bloody axe ah gaunt his blood was thine that bed that womb that metal that self-mould that fashioned thee made him a man and though thou livest and breathest yet art thou slain in him thou dost consent in some large measure to thy father's death in that thou seest thy wretched brother die who was the model of thy father's life call it not patience gaunt it is despair in suffering thus thy brother to be slaughtered thou showest the naked pathway to thy life teaching stern murder how to butcher thee that which in mean men we entitle patience is pale cold cowardice in noble breasts <sighs> what shall i say to safeguard thine own life the best way is to venge my gloucester's death god's is the quarrel for god's substitute his deputy anointed in his sight hath caused his death the which if wrongfully let heaven revenge for i may never lift an angry arm against his minister where then alas may i complain myself to god the widow's champion and defence <sighs> why then i will farewell old gaunt thou goest to coventry there to behold our cousin hereford and fell mowbray fight oh sit my husband's wrongs on hereford's spear that it may enter butcher mowbray's breast or if misfortune miss the first career be mowbray's sins so heavy in his bosom that they may break his foaming courser's back and throw the rider headlong in the lists a caitiff recreant to my cousin hereford farewell old gaunt thy sometimes brother's wife with her companion grief must end her life sister farewell i must to coventry 
as much good stay with thee as go with me yet one word more grief boundeth where it falls not with the empty hollowness but wait i take my leave before i have begun for sorrow ends not when it seemeth done commend me to thy brother edmund york lo this is all nay yet depart not so though this be all do not so quickly go i shall remember more bid him ah what with all good speed at plashy visit me alack and what shall good old york there see but empty lodgings and unfurnished walls unpeopled offices untrodden stones and what here therefore welcome but my groans therefore commend me let him not come there to seek out sorrow that dwells everywhere desolate desolate will i hence and die the last leaf of thee takes my weeping eye Exeunt. scene three the lists at coventry enter the lord marshal and the duke of aumerle my lord Amelie, is harry hereford armed yea at all points and longst enter in the duke of norfolk sprightly and bold stays but the summons of the epilent trumpet why then the champions are prepared and stay for nothing but his majesty's approach the trumpets sound and the king enters with his nobles gaunt bushy bagot green and others when they are set enter mowbray in arms defendant with a herald marshal demand of yonder champion the cause of his arrival here in arms ask him his name and orderly proceed to swear him in the justice of his cause in god's name and the king's say who thou art and why thou comest this knightly clad in arms against what man thou comest and what thy quarrel speak truly on the knighthood and thy oath and so defend thee heaven and thy valour my name is thomas mowbray duke of norfolk who hither come engaged by my oath which god defend a knight should violate both to defend my loyalty and truth to god my king and my succeeding issue against the duke of hereford that appeals me and by the grace of god in this mine arm to prove him in defending of myself a traitor to my god my king and me and as i truly fight defend me heaven the trumpets sound enter bolingbroke appellant in armour with a herald marshal ask yonder knight in arms both who he is and why he cometh hither thus plated in habiliments of war and formally according to our law depose him in the justice of his cause what is thy name and wherefore comest thou hither before king richard in his royal lists against who comest thou and what's thy quarrel speak like a true knight so defend thee heaven harry of hereford lancaster and derby am i who ready here do stand in arms to prove by god's grace and my body's valour in lists on thomas mowbray duke of norfolk that he is a traitor foul and dangerous to god of heaven king richard and to me and as i truly fight defend me heaven 
On pain of death no person be so bold, or daring hardiest to touch the lists, except the marshal and such officers appointed to direct these fair designs. Lord Marshal, let me kiss my sovereign's hand, and bow my knee before his majesty, for Mowbray and myself are like two men that vow a long and weary pilgrimage. Then let us take a ceremonious leave, and loving farewell of our several friends. The appellant in all duty greets your highness, and craves to kiss your hand and take his leave. We will descend and fold him in our arms. Cousin of Hereford, as thy cause is right, so be thy fortune in this royal fight. Farewell, my blood, which if to-day thou shed, lament we may, but not revenge thee dead. O oh, let no noble eye profane a tear for me, if I be gored with Mowbray's spear. As confident as is the falcon's flight against a bird, do I with Mowbray fight. My loving lord, I take my leave of you, of you, my noble cousin, Lord O'Merle, not sick, although I have to do with death, but lusty, young, and cheerly drawing breath. Lo, as at English feast, so I regret the daintiest last to make the end most sweet. O thou, the earthly author of my blood, whose youthful spirit in me regenerate, doth with a twofold vigour lift me up to reach at victory above my head, add proof unto mine armour with thy prayers, and with thy blessings steal my lance's point, that it may enter Mowbray's waxen coat, and furbish new the name of John Agont, even in the lusty haviour of his son. God in thy good cause make thee prosperous, be swift like lightning in the execution, and let thy blows doubly redoubled fall like amazing thunder on the cask of thy adverse pernicious enemy. Rouse up thy youthful blood, be valiant, and live. Mine innocency and St. George to thrive. However God or fortune cast my lot, there lives or dies, true to King Richard's throne, a loyal, just, and upright gentleman. Never did captive with a freer heart cast off his chains of bondage and embrace his golden, uncontrolled enfranchisement. More than my dancing soul doth celebrate this feast of battle with mine adversary, this mighty liege and my companion peers, take from my mouth the wish of happy years. As gentle and as jocund as to jest, go I to fight. Truth hath a quiet breast. Farewell, my lord. Securely I espy virtue with valour couched in thine eye. Order the trial, Marshal, and begin. Harry of Hereford, Lancaster and Derby, receive thy lance, and God defend the right. Strong as a tower in hope, I cry Amen. Go bear this lance to Thomas, Duke of Norfolk. Harry of Hereford, Lancaster and Derby, stands here for God, his sovereign and himself, on pain to be found false and recreant, to prove the Duke of Norfolk. Thomas Mowbray, a traitor to his God, his King, and him, and dares him to set forward to the fight. Here standeth Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk, 
on pain to be found false and recreant both to defend himself and to approve henry of hereford lancaster and derby to god his sovereign and to him disloyal courageously and with a free desire attending but the signal to begin sound trumpets and set forward combatants a charge sounded stay the king hath thrown his warder down let them lay by their helmets and their spears and both return back to their chairs again withdraw with us and let the trumpets sound while we return these dukes what we decree a long flourish draw near and list what with our council we have done for that our kingdom's earth should not be soiled with that dear blood which it hath fostered and for our eyes do hate the dire aspect of civil wounds ploughed up with neighbour's sword and for we think the eagle-winged pride of sky-aspiring and ambitious thoughts with rival-hating envy set on you to wake our peace which in our country's cradle draws the sweet infant breath of gentle sleep which so roused up with boisterous untuned drums with harsh resounding trumpets dreadful bray and grating shock of wrathful iron arms might from our quiet confines fright fair peace and make us wait even in our kindred's blood therefore we banish you our territories you cousin hereford upon pain of life till twice five summers have enriched our fields shall not regreet our fair dominions but tread the stranger path of banishment your will be done this must my comfort be that sun that warms you here shall shine on me and those his golden beams to you here lent shall point on me and gild my banishment norfolk for thee remains a heavier doom which i with some unwillingness pronounce the sly slow hours shall not determinate the dateless limit of thy dear exile the hopeless word of never to return breathe i against thee upon pain of life a heavy sentence my most sovereign liege and all unlooked for from your highness mouth a dearer merit not so deep a maim as to be cast forth in the common air have i deserved your highness hands the language i have learned these forty years my native english now i must forego and now my tongue's use is to me no more than an unstringed viol or a harp or like a cunning instrument cased up or being open put into his hands that knows no touch to tune the harmony within my mouth you have enjailed my tongue doubly portcullised with my teeth and lips and dull unfeeling barren ignorance is made my jailer to attend on me i am too old to fawn upon a nurse too far in years to be a pupil now what is thy sentence then but speechless death which robs my tongue from breathing native breath it boots thee not to be compassionate after our sentence plaining comes too late then thus i turn me from my country's light to dwell in solemn shades of endless night return again and take an oath with thee lay on our royal sword your banished hands swear by the duty that you owe to god 
our part therein we banish with yourselves to keep the oath that we administer you never shall so help you truth and god embrace each other's love in banishment nor never look upon each other's face nor never write regreet nor reconcile this lowering tempest of your home-bred hate nor never by advised purpose meet to plot contrive or complot any ill gainst us our state our subjects or our land i swear and i to keep all this norfolk so far as to mine enemy by this time had the king permitted us one of our souls had wandered in the air banished this frail sepulchre of our flesh as now our flesh is banished from this land confess thy treasons ere thou fly the realm since thou hast far to go bear not along the clogging burden of a guilty soul noble ingbrook if ever i were a traitor my name be blotted from the book of life and i from heaven banished as from hence but what thou art god thou and i do know and all too soon i fear the king shall rue farewell my liege now no way can i stray save back to england all the world's my way uncle even in the glasses of thine eyes i see thy grieved heart thy sad aspect hath from the number of his banished years plucked four away to bolingbroke six frozen winters spent return with welcome home from banishment how long a time lies in one little word four lagging winters and four wanton springs end in a word such is the breath of kings i thank my liege that in regard of me he shortens four years of my son's exile but little vantage shall i reap thereby for ere the six years that he hath to spend can change their moons and bring their times about my oil-dried lamp and time-be-wasted light shall be extinct with age and endless night my inch of taper will be burnt and done and blindfold death not let me see my son why uncle thou hast many years to live but not a minute king that thou canst give shorten my days thou canst with sullen sorrow and pluck nights from me but not lend a morrow thou canst help time to furrow me with age but stop no wrinkle in his pilgrimage thy word is current with him for my death but dead thy kingdom cannot buy my breath thy son is banished upon good advice whereto thy tongue a party verdict gave why at our justice seemst thou then to lower things sweet to taste prove in digestion sour you urged me as a judge but i had rather you would have bid me argue like a father oh had it been a stranger not my child to smooth his fault i should have been more mild a partial slander sought i to avoid and in the sentence my own life destroyed alas i looked when some of you should say 
I was too strict to make mine own away. But you gave leave to my unwilling tongue, Against my will to do myself this wrong. Cousin, farewell, and uncle, bid him so. Six years we banish him, and he shall go. Flourish. Exeunt King Richard and Train. Cousin, farewell. What presence must not know, from where you do remain, let paper show. My lord, no leave take I, for I will ride as far as land will let me by your side. Oh, to what purpose dost thou hoard thy words? That thou returnest no greeting to thy friends? I have too few to take my leave of you, when the tongue's office should be prodigal to breathe the abundant dollar of the heart. Thy grief is but thy absence for a time. Joy absent, grief is present for that time. What is six winters? They are quickly gone. To men in joy, but grief makes one hour ten. Call it travel that thou takest for pleasure. My heart will sigh when I miscall it so, which finds it an enforced pilgrimage. The sullen passage of thy weary steps esteemest foil wherein thou art to sit, the precious jewel of thy home return. Nay, rather every tedious stride I make will but remember me what a deal of world I wander from the jewels that I love. Must I not serve a long apprenticehood to foreign passages, and in the end, having my freedom, boast of nothing else but that I was a journeyman to grief? All places that the eye of heaven visits are to a wise man ports and happy havens. Teach thy necessity to reason thus. There is no virtue like necessity. Think not the king did banish thee, but thou the king. Woe doth the heavier sit, where it perceives it is but faintly born. Go, say I sent thee forth to purchase honour, and not the king exiled thee, or suppose devouring pestilence hangs in our air, and thou art flying to a fresher clime. Look what thy soul holds dear, imagine it to lie that way thou goest, not whence thou comest. Suppose the singing birds musicians, the grass whereon thou treadst, the presence strewed, the flowers fair ladies, and thy steps no more than a delightful measure of a dance. For gnarling sorrow hath less power to bite the man that mocks at it and sets it light. Oh, who can hold a fire in his hand by thinking on the frosty caucuses? or cloy the hungry edge of appetite by bare imagination of a feast, or wallow naked in December's snow by thinking on fantastic summer's heat. Oh, no! The apprehension of the good gives but the greater feeling to the worse. Fell sorrow's tooth doth never rankle more than when he bites, but lanceth not the sore. Come, come, my son! I'll bring thee on thy way. Had I thy youth and cause, I would not stay. Then, England's ground, farewell. Sweet soil, adieu. My mother and my nurse that bears me yet. Where'er I wander, boast of this I can, 
though banished, yet a true-born Englishman. Exeunt. Scene four. The court. Enter the king with Bagot and Green at one door, and the Duke of Almerle at another. We did observe, cousin Almerle, how far brought you High Hereford on his way? I brought High Hereford, if you call him so, but to the next highway, and there I left him. And say, what store of parting tears was shed? Faith, none for me except the northeast wind which then blew bitterly against our faces awaked the sleeping room and so by chance did grace our hollow parting with a tear what said our cousin when you parted with him farewell and for my heart disdained that my tongue should so profane the word that taught me craft to counterfeit oppression of such grief that words seemed buried in my sorrow's grave Mary, would the word farewell have lengthened hours and added years to his short banishment? He should have had a volume of farewells. But since it would not, he had none of me. He is our cousin, cousin. But this doubt, when time shall call him home from banishment, whether our kinsmen come to see his friends. Ourselves and Bushy, Bagot here and Green, observed his courtship to the common people how he did seem to dive into their hearts with humble and familiar courtesy what reverence he did throw away on slaves wooing poor craftsmen with the craft of smiles and patient underbearing of his fortune as twere to banish their effects with him off goes his bonnet to an oyster wench a brace of draymen bid god speed him well and had the tribute of his subtle knee with thanks my countrymen my loving friends as were our england in reversion his and he our subjects next degree in hope well he is gone and with him gervie's thoughts now for the rebels which stand out in ireland expedient manage must be made my liege ere further leisure yield them further means for their advantage and your highness loss we will ourselves in person to this war and for our coffers with too great accord and liberal largesse are grown somewhat light we are in force to farm our royal realm the revenue whereof shall furnish us for our affairs in hand if that come short our substitutes at home shall have blank charters whereto when they shall know what men are rich they shall subscribe them for large sums of gold and send them after to supply our wants for we will make for ireland presently enter bushy bushy what news old john of gaunt is grievous sick my lord suddenly taken and hath sent post haste to entreat your majesty to visit him where lies he at ely house now put it god in the physician's mind to help him to his grave immediately the lining of his coffers shall make coats to deck our soldiers for these irish wars come gentlemen let's all go visit him pray god we may make haste and come too late amen, amen. amen. End of Act One.